that second to last song, with my low vision, I'm often forced to visualize things in my mind, even when I watch movies or TV shows. I still call it watching, but mainly I listen to them. But singing that second to last song, just visioning in my mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, sometimes as you read the New Testament, you could probably get, I don't know, is there a holy jealousy? They got to sit at the feet of Jesus, physically sit at the feet of Jesus. And then I, this burden comes with my heart. It's like, Kevin, you have the privilege to sit at the feet of Jesus. Anywhere you are, just come to him in prayer. What a beautiful gift that is. And just a picture that he loves us that much, that he's that personal of God. And I just praise him for that. Glad to hear I got everything wired up now. I guess you're off a week, you get out of practice. But well, as Alex said, we're continuing this morning in Galatians. And I want to bring in an analogy, and I'd like you to think about it. Uh, some of you may have saw the post that I put on Facebook, but many of us are sports fans. And how many times have you seen it happen, especially most of the time in team sports? The team may be going through a slump even. And the coach comes up with a new game plan. He has a new approach to the game, and they come into their next game, and they start this game, and the approach works beautifully. They get through the first couple quarters, they get into the third quarter, and they're following their game plan perfectly. And it's working. They're building a lead. They're gaining. Everything's going well. But what happens sometimes? Sometimes those teams, they get away from their game plan, the plan that got them there. And they drop into what we often call, instead of playing to win, they're playing not to lose. Why do they do that? It seems like it's human nature at times. And you ask, well, Kevin, what does that have to do with the scripture that we're looking at this morning? Well, we all have a plan available to us. And it's not a plan that we had to devise or a plan that we had to come up with. It's the plan of salvation. And it comes to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is stick to that plan. And as we'll talk this morning, that doesn't mean everything's going to go perfectly. But it means in the end, we get the ultimate gift. The gift of eternal salvation. Eternity with our Creator. Eternity with His Son. And all we have to do is stick to his plan and not ours. That's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about the Galatians and how they were distracted from that plan and how Paul's trying to bring them back to that plan. Daryl, whenever you're ready to play the scripture, please. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you this morning. God, we praise you for the gift, the gift of your plan, your plan of salvation. Lord, I just praise you for this text this morning. I praise you for Paul's passion, his passion to bring the truth to the people of Galatians and all the other churches that he served in his day, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that his letters have been passed down to us, Lord, and they are so relevant for our time today, Father. Lord, just guide us through this text this morning. Help us each to identify, Lord, where Satan may be trying to distract us from your plan and to bring us into a human plan, to bring us into a point where we try to do it under our own strength because we will fail, Father. God, please just open this text to us this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you guys are enjoying the dramatized reading of the scripture. This one, when I first listened to it, is like, wow, they, they really got into, I guess what the word you would be is flabbergasted. Paul seems very flabbergasted as this text opens. He's like, oh, you foolish Galatians. And, you know, why wouldn't he be? He goes on. Well, at first he uses the word foolish. And what do you think of when you hear the word Foolish. A definition that I commonly bring to my mind is one who is mentally or spiritually deficient. They just don't have the ability. And I think I mentioned you this, this to you before, but as I define words in Scripture, I can't pronounce the Greek words, so I'm not going to try to pronounce them to you. I'm going to refer to the English words that refers to that, those Greek words, but I'll go to the definitions is the, is the way I like to approach it. But that's the, typically the definition I think of when I think of foolish. The Greek word that Paul's referring to here, though, is a little different definition than that. What he's referring to is someone who has everything necessary to make the right decision, but they don't. They have the resources, they have the knowledge, they have the understanding but they just fail to make the right decision. That's the fool, that's the foolishness that Paul is talking about in the text here this morning. He goes on to say, you foolish Galatians, have they bewitched you? It's like Paul wouldn't, wouldn't put any trust or any faith in witchcraft, but he's just trying to emphasize to them, it's like, what would distract you from this? 
what would take you from this message? He goes to tell him and he says, Jesus was publicly, publicly portrayed to you as crucified. And it was referring to as the fact that he had taught the Galatians personally himself that Jesus was crucified. He was crucified for them. And it was by his crucifixion, by his blood, was the only way, the only route to salvation for them. Yet they're bending to this other way, supposed other way. He told them that he told them the truth. He told them the true plan. The plan that was going to give the ultimate gift. But they were straying from that plan. He asked them, how did you receive the Spirit? He's acknowledging that they did receive the Spirit. He's not questioning that. He's asking them, how did you receive the Spirit? He's wanting them to think about it again. He's following the lead of Jesus. Jesus asked questions. Jesus made some hard statements. But a lot of the time he asked questions. Causing people to think and have to give an answer for why they did or why they said what they did. And he goes on to ask him, how did you receive the Spirit? He said, was it by works or was it by faith? Well, the reality is that these Galatian people, they were Gentiles. They didn't know the law. They had no idea what the law was. It wasn't passed down to them through generations as it was for the Jews. So there's really only one answer as to how they had received salvation, how they had received the Spirit. It was by faith. And by faith alone, it could not have possibly been through the law because the law was something they did not have. It had to be, as the text puts it, by hearing with faith. It qualifies the hearing. It says with faith. What does it mean with faith? It's not just hearing. You know, we could sit and we could listen to the entire scripture read to us. And it may not go to our hearts. It's by faith that we understand scripture. It's by faith that we understand the nature of God. It's by faith that we understand his commands. It's faith by hearing, hearing by faith. It's hearing with faith. He goes on to tell him again, are you so foolish? He used that word again. He's pretty harsh with him. But he wants them to see this. Why does it? Because he wants to be right? No. It's because he is right. But the reason he's so stern with them is he wants them to understand the truth. He doesn't want them to be burdened by this law. By this untruth. He wants them to understand the truth and live by the truth. That's his burden. He's telling them, are you refusing to live by what you know? In your hearts, you know how you were saved. You know how you received the Spirit. But yet, are you refusing to live by that? He goes on to tell him, having begun by the Spirit. He's saying, this is how you got the lead. Going back to the sports analogy. Having begun by the Spirit. Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you being perfected by what you can do under your own strength? Are you being perfected by your works, by your abilities, by your talents? He's telling them that they changed the plan. They got away from God's plan. And we know that they were led this way by the Judaizers. That's why they were making this choice. That's why they were so distracted. 
How does that apply to us today? How does this text apply to us today? You say, Kevin, I'm not living by the law. I can read through the Old Testament law and I'm not doing any of that stuff. Satan has a way of disguising the law. He has a way of distracting us from the truth and trying to make us live the Christian life in our humanity, in our own strength, in our own ability, in our own talents. He's basically disguising the law because it's legalism. The reality is you don't have to go to a legalistic church to live legalistically. You can accept the yoke that Satan puts on you before you even realize that you have. That sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? I don't want to scare you this morning. I don't want you to think it's going to sneak up on you. I just want to give you the tools to identify it. Because Satan is crafty. And he wants to burden you. He wants to drag you down. He wants to break you. He wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his goal. I ask you this morning the same question that Paul asked the Galatians. How did you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? I'm not looking for answers. It's a rhetorical question. But I ask you to answer it to yourself. How did you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? I want to look at a couple of scenarios this morning. Many of you will fall in the first scenario. You were raised in a Christian home. From the time you could understand, from the time you could talk, from the time you could read, from the time you could learn, you were raised in a Christian home. You were taught Christian morals. You were taught what it meant to be a Christian, what it looked like to be a Christian. Yet you came to the point of decision, I pray that you have, where you accepted the plan of salvation, where you received Jesus into your heart. That's one scenario. Another scenario are those of you who were not raised in a Christian home. Those of you who saw Christians from afar, but your day-to-day life with your family, with your friends in school, any acquaintances you had, they were not Christian people. Yet the gospel message got to you. An evangelist in some form came to you. The gospel message came to you in some form. And you received it. And you were changed. But in your flesh you had no clue what it meant to be a Christian. You hadn't been taught how to dot the I's and cross the T's as a Christian. But you knew you had had a change of heart. You experienced it. It was real. It was vibrant. What did you do? Did you seek out Christians? You didn't have any preconceptions. All you knew was that God had changed your heart. You experienced that amazing conversion. And you wanted to change your friends. So yes, you did seek out fellow believers. You maybe came to this church. Maybe you were at another church before this one. What did they present to you? Did they continue to take you back to the cross? I pray that they did. 
Or did you receive possibly what some people who were raised in a Christian home may receive? Hear me. A Christian home is a beautiful place to be raised. But sadly, we look to denominations often. We talked about denominations earlier in this series. You know, we learn what it looks like to be a Mennonite. You may learn what it looks like to be a Methodist. Pick a denomination that someone's grown up in and they have their own traditions. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with those traditions. Unless those traditions become your salvation. Which they can't. Traditions can't save you. Law can't save you. Works can't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves you. So those of you who were not raised in a Christian home, you weren't taught how to look like a Christian, were you? You didn't have those preconceptions coming into it. You weren't told, well, you have to be in church every Sunday morning. You have to do certain things. You have to appear in certain places. You weren't given the, just the moral code to live by. Well, trust me, there is a purpose for the law, and we're going to learn about that as we go through Galatians. We talked about it a little bit two weeks ago that the law is written on our hearts and because of our love of God, it comes out of us. It's not the law working into us. It's just the fruit coming out of us. But maybe when you came into a Christian setting, you were told, well, this is what you do if you're a Christian. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you check off the list, and then you're good. It doesn't work that way, and that's what Paul was working against with the Galatians here. He's telling them to get back to the plan. And again, I want to encourage you, don't forsake the gathering together. Scripture talks to us about that. You want to be a part of a church. But make it forefront in your mind that the center of your salvation is the gospel message. The center of your salvation is the message of the cross. It's not what any particular religion puts on you. The things you have to do to look Christian or to be Christian. Maybe you came to a church and you started feeling like your old self again in some ways, in some manner, because this law was put on you. And you started getting weary again in your flesh. You started to think, it's not worth it. I can't do it. And you can't do it. You cannot do it under your own strength. And that's what Paul was warning the Galatians about. That's what he was concerned about. If you get away from the plan, from God's plan, you're going to get weary. You're going to give up. And he did not want that. He wanted them to get back to the game plan. He wanted to get back to the freedom that came with keeping the cross the center of the plan. There's freedom in that. And that's the freedom in Christ that Paul's talking about all the way through this letter. He's laying that foundation in this text. He goes on to ask him, he said, did you suffer so many things in vain? 
Now, we don't have any record of the Galatians of exactly what they did suffer. We don't know what those sufferings looked like. Going back to our scenario, those of you who came out of non-Christian homes, you probably suffered a little going back to your family, going back to your friends. You may have been outcast. I believe that people come through that scenario that there is some persecution. If nothing else, they have to change their group of friends. Not that they don't want to minister to their old group of friends, but they do need a group of believers to grow with and fellowship with. But to get to know all new people in our flesh, that's tough sometimes. I don't know if that's the suffering Paul was referring to, but I can only imagine. We as Americans in general, do not understand what persecution is. We don't know what it means to stand for our faith. I believe in the years to come, we're going to begin to know more and more what it looks like. As we know what we went through in Indiana this week, as Alex has already alluded to with the court ruling about gay marriage, and now it's been put on hold by another body of judges. Sadly, it's just the beginning. There'll be a time when I won't be able to stand in this pulpit without fear of being arrested and say that homosexuality is a sin. There'll be a time that I believe that that'll be looked at as hateful words. That a pastor can be accused of initiating a riot even by making statements like that. I believe that time is coming. But in general, we as Americans don't understand really what persecution is yet. But I praise God that we will know by His strength how to stand through it. Why? By our own knowledge, by our own understanding, by our own abilities? No. By our faith in the one true God. He goes on to tell him, does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do that by works of the law? They were seeing miraculous things. And Paul's asking them, that is, because, is that because of your works? Is that because of the law that these Judaizers have presented to you? Or he states it again, is it by hearing with faith? The obvious answer is by faith. He's trying to make that point to them. How many times have you heard the statement, if someone is struggling in circumstances, things may not be going well for them. Have you heard the statement, well, you must not be living right. You must not be praying enough or reading enough or have you been to church in a while? These are all vital disciplines of the Christian life. And if you are hearing with faith, those will be fruits And they will also be tools that will continue to change you and mature you. But to put the burden on someone to say, well, you wouldn't be struggling with your finances, you wouldn't be struggling with your health, you wouldn't be struggling in your marriage if all you would do is read. Oh yes, hear me clearly. Reading the scripture, praying to God is a tool. It's how God wants to change your heart how He wants to improve your marriage, how He wants to improve your health even. 
medical science has proven that there are diseases that are caused by your emotional state. Bitter people have certain illnesses that they struggle with. People who live in constant anxiety have physical illnesses caused by that anxiety. Medical science has proven that, has acknowledged that. But to put that burden on someone and say that, well, the only reason you're struggling with this is because you're not living right. That's law. That's legalism. What we need to do with those people is if we do see somewhere that they're caught in sin, that they're caught up in sin, we need to point that out to them and restore them gently, but not put the burden on them of, well, you just need to do better. Because that's not the answer. The reality is that bad things happen to good people. We see it all through the Bible. I experienced it personally about 14 years ago. I don't know how many of you know our story, but we had some dear friends. They were missionaries at an Indian reservation school in Arizona. They're actually the friends who God used to help my wife and I become a couple. But they were home on sabbatical one summer, and we were headed into Washington. And we topped the hill there by what is Eurodrawer now, I believe it's called. And another truck, totally out of their control, hit some water and hydroplane and hit his head on. And my friend, whose wedding I was the best man in, died that morning. My friend, who had devoted the last seven years of his life as a missionary, died that morning. Bad things happen to good people. But that wasn't a punishment of God. It was God's will. No, it's not God's perfect will that people suffer and people die. That all came from the garden. But God uses this fallen world to affect His plan. I say all of that to just encourage you that if you're struggling with something, give it to God. Ask God to help you. Understand that it's not on you. It's not this certain amount of things that you need to do. You don't have to be in church so many times. You don't have to read your Bible so much. Please do those things. But why you do those things is because you love God. Because you want to know more about God. Because you want a closer and deeper relationship with God. Not to get what you want. Not to improve your situation. Ultimately, it is to improve your situation. Because the closer you draw to God, the better equipped you're going to be to handle whatever this fallen world gives you. The reality is, your salvation is not about what you do. It's about what you believe. And what you do is a direct result of what you believe. So no, I'm not giving you a license to go out and never come to church again. I'm not giving you a license to stop reading your Bible. I tell you this morning, if you stop doing those things, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's just a reality. But I'm encouraging you 
to trust God for your salvation, to trust God to change you. That's what the Galatian people were dealing with. They had trusted God for their salvation. But they had allowed the Judaizers to come in and tell them, well, now you have to do this to look like a Christian, to look like a believer in God. You have to do this, 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 and this. You had to go through this checklist. And it was taking it off of God and putting it on them. And it, was, it is. It did, and it will, and it will always fail. Paul, in our text, seeks to illustrate what he's trying to tell the Galatian people by referring back to the story of Abraham. Referring back to the point where the promise began. He says that Abraham believed God. That's what he did. He put his faith in God. And what does Paul say it did? It was counted to him as righteousness. It doesn't say that Abraham did everything right, therefore he was righteous. It says he believed God. It says he put his faith in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's all he did. He put his faith in God. It says that the scriptures, they preached the gospel to him. As a result of that, all the nations be blessed. That includes us. He's saying, Abraham, it won't just be your direct biological descendants, but all nations will have the opportunity to be blessed. Because those who have faith will be blessed along with Abraham. Abraham is our father also when we put our faith in the same God that he did. Then Paul goes on to describe the curse. He says that all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So the very thing that the Judaizers were trying to get the Galatian people to do to put their faith in these works was a curse to them. And it's a curse to us. He goes on to say, Cursed is anyone who doesn't abide by all things. You know, they were trying to keep this law. And the reality is that they missed one of them. And they're going to. Because it's impossible to keep the law. And because of that, potentially one mistake they make, they don't get 99% of the gift. They're cursed. They're doomed. But for the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's trying to show the Galatian people. Verse 12. He says, law brings more law. Or we try to think, oh, we'll just obey a little bit of the law. Because the reality is, if you have a checklist to go through, for a time there's a little bit of comfort in that, isn't there? If I just know exactly what's expected of me, then I can do that and I can move on. But what Paul's warning them in verse 12 is, if you try to observe just a little bit of the law, it's going to expand. You're going to have to observe more and more law to get satisfaction, to get rest, because it can never satisfy you. Oh, it will for a time, and then you'll need, to, you'll need more direct. You'll need more of a list of commands to do. Certain things, certain rules, certain actions you have to perform because the peace isn't going to be there through that. 
the rest is only going to come by faith in Jesus Christ. He says that Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse for us. Christ didn't come and show us, well, this is what you have to do to get over this curse. Every one of you has to go hang on this cross. No, he did it for us. That beautiful, spotless lamb hung on that cross because anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Scripture tells us that. He became a curse for us so that we wouldn't have to be cursed. So we wouldn't have to be good enough. All we had to do was receive his plan. And all of that plan, all of that beautiful gift comes through Christ. Do we believe that this morning? Do you believe in your heart that Christ finished the work? I pray that you do. And as I said, if you have that relationship, if you do believe that, we're going to talk about it more as we go through this book, but the fruits will be there. They won't be perfect fruits. Your fruits are going to have spots. They're going to have rotten spots. Sometimes it's going to take a little longer for your fruit to ripen. Why? Because you're human. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He is faithful to complete what He has begun. I pray this morning that you're not under the burden of expectations. You're not under the burden of what people expect you to do to look like a Christian. I pray that you're living your life to glorify God by where you go, by what you participate in, by how you dress, by what you read, by what you watch on TV, by what you educate yourself with. But you're doing all those things that are glorifying to God because you believe, because you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Not because it's some checklist that you have to check off to look like or to be a Christian. 